And so I thank you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us ears to hear what you have to say. And I thank you. And in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's turn over to the book of Numbers, chapter 9. You weren't expecting me to turn to the book of Numbers, were you? Book of Numbers. Title of today's message is, Are You Looking for Direction? Many times we want God to direction on something. We go about it in the wrong way. Most Christians are surprised when they learn how God gives his children guidance. You know, and so we're, we're, we're getting ready to read here in Numbers 9. Uh, they, God had uh, provided the tabernacle for the people to be able to put down and, take, uh, you know, put, put together, to take it down and put it together wherever he showed them to camp. And uh, so he would provide them guidance by the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. And, be, you know, of course, all that happened because the people were in bondage in Egypt and God delivered them out of Egypt. And then in order to guide them where he was taking them, he would guide them by this pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. We talked about in the past how that's actually provision because during the day it's hot in the desert. And so there, the, the coolness of that cloud would, would help to keep people cool. And during night, that during night when it's cold in the desert, the pillar of fire would provide not only warmth but also light for them to see by. And, uh, and so if you want more background in the tabernacle, of course, you can look up that, you know, Finding Your Place of Rest series that I did a while back on, on uh, you know, how you, you, know, you are the temple of God after you've accepted Christ. And so uh, I give background on all that, the tabernacle and, and all those things. And so that was, uh, I don't remember when we did that series, but it's like Find Your Place of Rest, God is Your Place of Rest. I don't remember the exact titles, but you can find those. And so here in Numbers 9, look down with me at verse 15. It says, On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. So and notice this, the appearance of fire. Um, and so it has some of the attributes of fire. But the cloud itself is the Holy Spirit. And so it says uh, in verse 17, whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And whenever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. I'm reading this out of the NLT, by the way, in case you were curious. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days, so the people would stay for only a few days, as the Lord commanded. So it's a, it's a command from God, but it's not a verbal command. You see that? Because they're following the, the, his leading that is being provided to them through the actions of the cloud, the, pil the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And it didn't matter what time of day or night, if it picked up, they followed. And some translations say that they would, uh, they would just perform their service to him while they were there, whatever needed, whatever they were supposed to be doing to serve him, they would just be doing that while, while they were waiting for the tabernacle, while they're waiting for that pillar of, of cloud or fire to lift. And so uh, I'm in verse 21, 
Oh, wait, no, I'm not. I'm in verse 22, excuse me. Whether the clouds stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. So there's two avenues there. You've got Moses as God's representative talking to the people, but you've also got the people following God's direct command through whatever the cloud or the fire was doing. And so a lot of times people want, when they're looking for a direction from God, they want that audible voice or they want something like that. But a lot of times God's commands don't come through an audible voice. Okay, in fact, that's, you will find that that's the way, he, he doesn't prefer to talk to us that way. He has a certain preference that he likes to talk to people. And, uh, you know, reading this, I used to think this would be pretty great to have this, this giant pillar of cloud by day, you know, this pillar of fire by night. Just, it just lift and start moving, and then all I had to do was just follow God wherever he wanted me to be at the time. And most people, I think, want outward signs like this. But the truth of the matter is God never intended for the people to be led 40 years in the wilderness that way. That wasn't his plan A. You go back a little further and you read, you'll find that the only reason God was doing this was because he was waiting for that unbelieving generation to die of old age. God originally led them to the promised land much more quickly than 40 years, but the people wouldn't believe that God would have helped them to take the land, and the consequence then was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and being led by the pillar. of. Now, they were led the same way before they went to the promised land the first time, but that wasn't God's long-term plan. That was, he, they, he wanted to lead them there just over that you know, series of weeks or whatever it was. And then when they got there, he wanted them to enter the land, but they wouldn't do it. So then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But that, that's not what his original plan was. But, amen? So that means that the manna that fell from heaven every day, because that, that did happen before they got to the promised land, but it continued during those 40 years they were in the wilderness. Why? Because there was no way for them to grow any food out there. So the only way for them to eat was for God to provide them manna every day. They're, so they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The manna falls from heaven every day. The, their, their shoes don't wear out. And yes, even being led by the pillar of cloud and fire were all, all part of God's plan B. That's not his preference. So God does not want us to let be led by outward signs primarily. Jesus told us that signs would follow us, not the other way around. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they, if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will recover. That's what Jesus told us, that these signs would follow us. See, those are outward signs to the unbeliever. When God works those kinds of things through us, it is to get the attention of lost people that Jesus died to save. That's the purpose of it. So God's preferred method to guide us is not through outward signs. In the case of the pillar of cloud and fire, you can tell that, you can call that an outward witness. Because that cloud was the manifest presence of God's spirit. See, was it an outward sign or is it an outward witness? Yes. It's, it's, it's God's manifest presence. It's his spirit. So therefore, it is an outward witness of what he wants them to do. 
Word says that when Moses would go to the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud would descend to where Moses was standing. And God would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. That's how we know it was his spirit. Or you could say uh, the manifestation of his spirit, if you want to put it that way. That's how he chose to reveal himself at that time. People have asked me about this many times over the years. And when that happens, you begin to notice certain patterns that people are looking for. And I noticed that for some reason when people perceive the need for direction from God, they suddenly realize, I need direction from God. And that's not a bad thing for them to realize that. Okay? But when they suddenly realize that, they tend to get hung up on one of two things. And it's probably not the only things they get hung up on, but I've just noticed some patterns. Number one, they, see, they tend to seek after outward signs. Number two, they want a direct revelation from God, just like Moses would get when God would speak to him face to face. The problem with option one is that outward signs are unreliable. And we have an enemy called Satan who can accommodate our desire for outward signs, and he also wants to lead us. But he doesn't want to lead you anywhere good. Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, as you know. So, and though he is nowhere near as powerful as God is, he can do some supernatural things, and they can be very convincing. I've seen Christians spiral downward seeking after outward signs. And then sometimes they go after outward witnesses, because they really are two different things. They want someone to give them a word from God so they can get direction. I mentioned this in the past. You know, I had a, uh, a friend back in California that he would... Um, he came and he, he, was, he was a little older than me, and he had gotten saved. He'd gotten saved late in life. He wasn't raised in the church and got saved. And, and, uh, but his whole thing was he wanted, a, he wanted a wife, wanted a wife. And he would spend time praying for her even before he met her. And he came and he, he says, Phil, I'm, I'm a, and he told me the things that he was doing in preparation. And there wasn't anything bad about it, but I could tell he was getting kind of antsy. You know, and uh, and what I felt led to tell him, I said, I said, I said, you're you're on the right track, and he got really frustrated. That's what everyone keeps telling me. I'm like, well, maybe you ought to listen. But then he he barreled ahead and uh, got himself into some trouble. But it, what what was hap what was happening? He he talked to someone who, and he talked to several people before he talked to me. Apparently. He talked to someone who he respected in the Lord, and the person gave him an answer that they felt led to give him, and he did not like that answer, so he asked somebody else. And they gave him the same answer, and he didn't like that answer, so he asked somebody else. But that is, those are witnesses that are confirming what God is saying. But sometimes people get themselves into trouble because they talk to people, they hold counsel of people who aren't listening to God, and that gets them into even more trouble. So the Bible does not tell us to get direction that way. Now, a, a word from someone can confirm something that God has already put on your heart, something that God is already dealing with you about, and I've had that happen many times. But we need to understand why, why is that not God's preferred method? Well, because people, people can miss it. People can make mistakes. Now, signs and words can bear witness, again, to something that God's already been telling you about. So that's your qualifier. Has God already been telling me about this? And many times it's not because I go and talk to the person that they confirm something God's already told me about. It's more like 
God's been telling me about something, and I've been kind of, okay, I've been kind of praying about it, keeping it in my heart, and meditating on it, and then someone crosses my path and says something that I'm like, wait a minute. That confirms something that God's already been dealing with me, that, and, and that's happened many times, and I didn't even tell the person, wow, that confirms something for me. They don't even tell them. Like, thank you, God, because it came from God anyway, right? He just used them to bring it about. Amen. And then I don't have to second guess it either. Because if I go asking, then I'm going to be like, well, wait a minute. Did they confirm that just because I asked? Oh, no. But if I don't go seeking it and God confirms it, then I don't have to second guess that. Right? Now, don't look for outward signs and witnesses and confirmation. Just trust God. Just trust God. And don't move until you've got something settled in your heart. Now, here's the problem with option two, which option two was uh, people want a direct revelation from God like Moses would get when he'd speak, uh, when God would speak to him face to face. Here's the problem with that option. Seeking a direct revelation from God, just like Moses would get when God would speak to him face to face. The problem with that is not, that is not how God gives direction. That is how God fellowships. That is how God builds relationship. See, because when Moses would talk to God face to face, it said the people, verse 23, so they camped to travel at the Lord's command and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. So God would give direction to Moses but it, when he spoke to him face to face, but the direction was not for Moses personally, it was for the people. See, people look at the ministry of the prophet and they think, well, that person's really got it. They, talk, they, they have a direct line to God. They can talk to God whenever they want. See, the problem with that is that God doesn't talk to them about them. He talks to them about you. Because that ministry is not for the benefit of the person. That ministry is for the benefit of the other members of the body. So as a person who stands in the office of a prophet, God doesn't give them direction through their ministry. He gives them direction through their relationship with him. So if they don't foster that relationship with him, they're not going to get any personal direction. They'll be able to operate in their ministry gift, and that's where, where a lot of ministers get themselves in trouble. They try to rely on just their ministry gift, and they let their personal relationship with God fall away, and then we wonder why all of a sudden this big-name minister falls. Because they let their personal relationship with God dwindle, and they rely just on their office to sustain them. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it's possible to get direction out of that personal fellowship time with God, and I want to show you how, okay? Turn with me over to Romans 8. But again... It doesn't come just because I approached him and asked for direction. So Romans chapter 8. How are we all doing with this so far? So you're in Romans 8. We've looked at this verse many, many times over the years. We'll look at it again. Romans 8, look down at verse 14. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God, are children of God. Some translations say these are the sons of God. And so, ladies, you have the position of a son. You are a daughter, but you have the position of a son. 
say, well, why is that relevant? Well, because everything, every promise of God that we receive, we receive as an inheritance. And in this, this time, women didn't receive inheritances. But you have the position of a son, so you have every right to go to him as a daughter. And as by reason of your position as a son, you can receive the inheritance that Jesus laid up for you at the cross. That's important for you to understand. This verse, uh, for all who led, are led by the Spirit of God and the children of God, this is one of the deepest statements of the Bible. People don't spend enough time on it. This verse is saying there is a requirement to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, you understand that there's lost people out there that ask God, just show me a sign that you're there or show me or lead me. Now, God will do that. But you understand that they are, as lost people, they have no right to ask God for that. If God does that, he's doing it just because he's, he's gracious and merciful and he loves them. But they don't have any standing to ask him for that. We actually have some type of, we have a, a standing, we have a, um, a right to expect to be led by the Spirit of God. But the requirement is... What's the requirement? The verse just told us. You must be a child of God. So then, what comes first? The relationship or the being led? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So, the relationship comes first. Before the direction. The relationship of being made a child of God comes before you can be led by a spirit. Why? Because the moment that you say out loud that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are now born of God's spirit. He resides within you. So, and so now there is no need for an outward witness. The children of Israel were being led by God's spirit in the form of a visible cloud and fire as an outward witness. But now after Jesus has completed his work on the cross, God's spirit lives inside us so that now we are led by him as an inward witness. It's best to call it an inward witness because God doesn't have to use words to bear witness about something. Notice how it's a, they camped wherever God commanded. Well, how did he command them? It wasn't by words. It was by he lift up the cloud, he lift up the fire, and now move over here and lay, sit back down. And they took that as a command, but there was no verbal command. So we call it an inward witness because the Holy Spirit doesn't need to actually say words to you in order to lead you. Does this make sense? That I call it a check or a nudge or something like that. You just get that, mm, seems like God's telling me to do this and people say well how is he telling you what did you say he didn't say anything i just get the feeling that i ought to do this amen you know or that that mm, no this isn't the right way go this way it's about direction notice that the that with the pillar of cloud and fire god didn't use words to guide them like i said so read verse 14 again, and we'll go down a little further. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him 
Abba, Father. What's that mean in modern language? Daddy God. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Other translations say the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. This isn't the only way God talks to us, but it seems to be his preferred method to, to follow the inward witness of his spirit bearing witness with our spirit. And I think that, you know, when I wonder, you know, it's like, well, why is that his preferred method? It just seems to be that that's the way it is. You see that it happened with uh, Paul and, and Barnabas. They're, they're going up through Asia. They're getting ready to go into Asia to preach the gospel. And it says the spirit of Jesus wouldn't permit them. Well, how, how did they know? Did he, did he speak words? No. Because it was the inward witness that, no, he's not letting us go this way. So we'll stay here and see what he says. And that's what they did. And so uh, why does God prefer to lead us that way? I think it's because it requires putting effort into our relationship with him. Because what comes first, the relationship or the direction? The relationship comes first. The relationship must come before direction is given. Or you could put it this way, direction from God comes through relationship with God. The times in my life when I was most fully convinced that I was being led by the Spirit were those times that I was the closest with Him, closest in my walk with Him. Those are the times that I was most sure. This is what God's saying to do. Even it didn't matter. Everybody else was saying, no, it doesn't seem right. No, I know God's telling me to do. Because I had drawn close to him. See? And, uh, you know, a while back, you know, we had, uh, we had a, a large group that came to visit on a Wednesday night. And they came down for prayer. And there was a girl there that asked for prayer for direction. And I said, we'll pray for direction. I have no problem doing that. I said, but let me tell you, the best way to get direction is for you to draw near to God just for the sake of drawing near to him. Don't draw near to him for the sake of seeking his direction because you're just going to get frustrated. Draw near to him because you want to draw near to him. Make a decision in your heart to draw near to him. I said, and then he will say, okay, you've, you sought me out. Now I want you to do this. And... Uh, well, she didn't really like that. She didn't have a whole lot to say about it. I could tell that she didn't really like that. And it, that's true for the mo most of the people I talked to because I always give them the same answer. And so why is that? Well, I have my personal theory. Would you care to hear it? So here's my theory as to why people don't like to hear that direction from God comes through relationship with God. It's not because they dislike the idea of drawing near to God. I believe it's because ultimately this question comes up, won't that take longer? And, and, and if, I, if I go to him just for the sake of seeking him, if I, that requires me to take this question off, you know, to, it, I have to take this question off the front burner and I have to set it on the back burner, I, have to eat, I may even have to put it on the shelf and just spend time seeking God, when will my question ever get answered? Right? Or, or you don't understand, I need to make this decision quick. 
you know, I, I don't have time to do it that way. There, there is uh, something really pressing here that I need something quick. And, you know, acting without God's direction is rash. But the word said over in James that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives liberally without reproach. He didn't make us feel bad for asking. And so there's been times that it's like, okay, Lord, I need some wisdom. See, sometimes you, ha you, already, you already have the knowledge you need. It's just a matter of how to apply it because that's what wisdom is. You know, knowledge is how much I know. Wisdom is my ability to properly use the knowledge I have in that right situation. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because you put God first, and he will help you and teach you the wisdom that you need. But, but uh, we're far better off to draw close to him for the sake of drawing close to him. Because asking him for direction is not the better part of building relationship with him. I'll say that again. Asking, going to him and asking for direction about something is not the better part of building relationship with him. Not saying that it's not a part of it. I'm just saying it's not the better part. He will appreciate it more if you come to him and just say, I love you, Father. I'm going to spend some time with you, and I'm not even going to bring that thing up. He already knows what it is. I'm not even going to bring it up. Amen? And, and see, this is something that, that isn't just, I mean, at, at the whole time that we were Rama, they, they, they did this whole Finish Strong campaign because they had so many students that were trying to leave before their training was complete because we got to get out to the mission field. We're in the last, we got to, and they kept saying, hey, if you leave now, you're leaving half-baked. Why would God send you here not to complete your training? And they're right. People would ask me, what's your goal? I'm like, Graduate. That's why God sent me here. He sent me to go to school here. And he would, uh, it was during a, a very a time where I had had a really strong relationship with him that he said to go in the first place. And then, see, and here's the other side of this, because sometimes people are so afraid that they're going to miss direction from God. But see, if God really wants you to do something, he will tell you if you're spending time with him. Because every single time, because I didn't want to go to Ramah. And so I would just try to ignore the issue, and I would just go to him and spend time, try to spend time with him in prayer, and all he would ever say is, Rama. And I'm like, so I, get, I stopped praying. But see, the point of it is, is that every time I would go to him and try, I'd try to just, try, just try to talk to him, he'd bring it up again. He brought it up, you see. See, because there's part of approving out you know, you spend time with him, and when you're spending time with him, you're growing in him. And so because you've taken time to, to be proved out, that's when he will give you something to do. Why would he give us something to do if we are not already growing by spending time with him? Amen. And, uh, you know, the intention... To, that these other Bible students had was to go out and start a work. Well, now that's a good intention. But they're overriding God's plan A if they do that. You know, see, it, it, it's going it, it, 
the good intentions will some that that uh, uh, I should let me put it this way, a rash decision that comes out of good intentions will take us out of God's will. And so then now he's got to work those mistakes together for our good. Look down at verse 28. We're still in chapter 8. Look down at verse 28. If I can find it. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, why would he have to cause everything to work together if people weren't going to make mistakes? He has a plan A, and people are constantly uh, going off book and messing some things up, and so he works things together. You know. And see, it's funny because people rejoice when they hear this verse, right? And they should, but God would have to do this a lot less if we would take more time to seek the guide himself rather than seeking the guidance Value the guide more than you value the guidance. That's good. Seek the guide over the guidance. In order to do that, we're going to have to let go of some old ways of thinking. Flip back to the Old Testament to the book of Joshua. How are we doing on time? We've got lots of time. Look at that. I just may get you guys out of here early. You can go home and practice all this. New stuff you learned. Is some, of the, is some of this new to some of you? If it is, that's a good thing. If you already know it, great. You're just, you're just getting watered, right? All right. Chapter 5, Joshua. Had I even told you which chapter? <laughs> Joshua 5. Look down at verse 10. So this is where because um, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Before I start reading, I want to make sure that I have you. So earlier we read in Numbers when the people, the people were still out in the wilderness eating manna and they're being led by the pillar of cloud and fire. Now we're going to read they just crossed into the promised land. Okay. So verse 10. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. 